It was my fault for the noise. I'm sorry. It's all my fault. How many of you enjoyed that extra hour of sleep? That was like a slow clap. That sounded like my house this morning. Normally, my girls sleep until 7.30. They got up at 6.30. Anybody else relate to that? Yeah? Some of you are like, my body woke up at the same exact time. I get it. Man, college football, what a great day for sports. Last night, some of you are like, I don't know whether to celebrate that or not. I know some people in the room, the Irish, they enjoyed that, LSU, all that stuff. The World Series, I mean, some of you are like, I don't watch sports, I don't care. You're supposed to just get up there and preach, quit talking about sports. How many of you this morning will be traveling during the holidays? Anybody going to be traveling? Some of you are like, no way, Jose, I'm staying at my house. Anyway, during the holidays, uh, my family travels. We go up to South Carolina to see my wife's parents. And I don't mind driving. Um, don't mind driving whatsoever until when you're driving, you'll encounter this thing called traffic. I don't know why people just can't drive, you know? Then we wouldn't have traffic, but we have traffic, and I can't stand traffic whatsoever when we're driving. But I really believe just a known fact when it comes to traveling is this. You're either going into traffic, you're in the middle of traffic, or you're just coming out of traffic when it comes to traveling. Am I right on that? This morning, you might be wondering why in the world is this backdrop behind me? I want to start off by saying this this morning. You are either headed into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're just coming out of a storm. That's where you are this morning. Some of you are like, thanks for the great news that I'm either headed into a storm or in the middle of one or coming out. I appreciate, but that is just life, right? In this world, we will encounter tribulation. We will encounter trouble. We can be encouraged as Christians because Jesus has overcome the world. We just got through singing our help comes from the Lord. But how can we, today I want to answer this question for you. Like, how can we stay calm in the middle of a storm? How can we? How can we Stay calm. If you're taking notes, you grab notes as you walked in. The title on message is Stay Calm. Maybe you want to tell someone to the left or right of you this morning and say, Stay calm. Some of you are like, I'm not saying that because that's one of the worst things to say in an argument is just calm down. <laughs> if you have your copy of God's Word with you, if you could turn with me to the book of Luke. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8. This story is extremely important. How do I know this story is important? Not only is it in the Bible, but you see three different accounts of this story. Luke didn't just write about it. Mark didn't just write about it, but Matthew wrote about it. So I think when three people take the time to make sure it gets in God's word for us to hear the story loud and clear, I think it's pretty important. But this is what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, 
let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided. And here it is. All was calm. Where is your faith, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. The first point I want to make this morning is this. Jesus is aware of your storm. Jesus is aware of your storm. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not in the middle of a storm. He's still aware of your storm. I told you in the beginning, you're either headed into the storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of the storm. Jesus is aware of your storm. He gets what you're going through, and he gets what you're about to go through. He is. He's aware of your storm. But how many of you might be like me, and you're like, Jesus, are you there? Don't you see what I'm going through? Because many of you have walked in today, and you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of things going on financially, in the middle of things going on in your marriage, in the middle of things going on with a kid, in the middle of news that you just received, and you're wondering, Jesus, are you there? And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is aware of your storm. How do I know that? Whose idea was it? Jesus's. It was Jesus who said, hey, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus is here, and he's like, hey, let's go over the other side of the lake. When the disciples got in the boat, they didn't see this. I should have turned it around and then turned it back around, but they didn't see it. But here's Jesus saying, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Maybe he wanted to go through to the other side of the lake because it's through stormy situations that God does some of his best transformations. And maybe sometimes we don't want to go through the storm, but we want to go around it. Anybody with me? Because I don't want to encounter anything. It was his idea, like he commanded it, right? I know sometimes we think following Jesus is going to be smooth sailing. But I'm here to tell you, you can be in the middle of God's will and find yourself in a storm. You can find yourself in this spiritual warfare like never before. Hey, just try to further God's kingdom and just expect a storm. But are you aware that Jesus is aware of your storm? And what has you worried doesn't have God worried. Because you might be stressed, 
you might be worried. And it was Jesus' idea to go to the other side of the lake. This storm is going on. It's absolutely insane. And one of his disciples in Mark's account actually says this, don't you care? The audacity to ask Jesus if he cared. But don't we do the same thing? Hey, Jesus, are you aware of my storm? Like, don't you care? Can't you see what's going on? And Jesus is like, listen, I not only care about your sins, I care about your storms. I care about them. If I know the number of hairs on your head, if I know the birds of the air, listen, I care about your storm. Teacher, don't you know we're going to drown? Like, don't you care? Can you imagine them? And Jesus is like, I care. Many times we spend night after night worrying about it. And my question is, are we praying about it as much as we're worrying about it? Listen, you can trust him. You can. Some of you are like, Jesus isn't aware. He's not aware. You want to know how I know he's not aware? Like, you just read the passage. This is what he's doing. He's sleeping. That's how some of y'all feel right now. Jesus, you sleeping. Do you not see this? Jesus, do you not see this? You're sleeping. If Jesus isn't losing sleep over it, why are you losing sleep over it? He's knocked out. This storm is crazy. Did y'all just get through reading about it? A squall came down in the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. This is a massive storm. You've got fishermen on this boat. Like, they know a storm when they see a storm. And here's Jesus. You ready? Let me just do this for you. Am I right? He's not losing sleep over it. Jesus is aware. He's like, how is he aware? He's asleep. Because he's the Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning of the story. He knows the end of the story. He knows it all. He's aware. You can sleep in the storm trusting God's care over your life. You can. But can you imagine, like, sometimes we don't think this story is like real life. We don't put ourselves in this story like as one of the disciples because many of them were just super young but can you imagine them like debating like there's a storm going on and these disciples are in the boat and they're like you wake them up no you wake them up can you imagine the interaction they're like talking among themselves and they're like uh maybe thomas will wake them up and someone says i doubt that John, why don't you wake him up? He loves you the most. Oh, I know who will wake him up. Who? Peter. He's always opening his mouth about everything. 
But sometimes we forget. Like, imagine the interaction that would have been taking place on this boat. It doesn't tell us whether they went to Jesus first or they tried to do everything in their power to solve this issue. Like, we'll get through it without Jesus, then we'll go to Jesus. Like, Jesus is aware of your storm. Be encouraged by that. Here's a huge one that you need to understand. The second point I want to make is Jesus is with you in your storm. Jesus is with you in your storm. I thought I would at least get like someone standing up, like clapping something for that. Because sometimes we, we think of that, but we don't think of the magnitude of that. Jesus says, hey, let's go over the other side of the lake. And he's not like, hey, you guys go ahead. I'm going to walk on the water beside you. Hey, you go on ahead in the boat. I'll catch you on the other side. It's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, hey, let's go over the other side of the, of the lake. And it says, so they got into a boat and set out. Jesus got in this boat with them. Maybe you wanted to see how they would respond when they got in the middle of this storm. But sometimes we think because Jesus is silent that he's not present. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is present every step of the way. I love that he says he is with us to the very ends of the age. He ain't going anywhere. He got in the boat with them. The same exact rain that was hitting the disciples was hitting Jesus too. He's like, guys, I'm with you in this storm. I'm with you. We don't read it in Luke's account, but in Mark's account, in Mark chapter 4, you'll read that there were other boats out that day. Because in Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took, along, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So there's a storm going on. There's one boat with the disciples with Jesus in it, and there's other boats out there that didn't have Jesus in them. Maybe you found yourself here this morning, and you're searching for that missing thing, and I'm here to tell you your biggest question that we all need to answer today is, is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? But do you realize the magnitude this morning for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, like who's in the boat with you? Because sometimes what we do, and I'm just as guilty as I'm more aware of the storms than I am of who's with me. We keep our eyes on the storms more than we keep our eyes on Jesus. In the middle of the storm, they could have been looking at Jesus and just remembered what Jesus had accomplished and what he did. And they're like, hey, I'm good. I'm calm. Jesus is here. He's sleeping, but I'm calm because Jesus is here. But no, they're looking at the boat being swamped, the thunder coming down, and they're forgetting who is with them the whole entire way. See, storms are going to hit both believers and non-believers. 
But listen, we have something different than non-believers have. We have Jesus in the boat with us. We have the wild card. We do. And we need to understand that when Jesus is with us, it doesn't matter what's against us. But here's another question we need to ask ourselves. In the middle of this storm, like how are we addressing Jesus? How are we addressing Jesus? In Luke's account, they address him as master, master. One account addresses him as teacher, teacher. How do you address Jesus in the middle of a storm? Some of you say Lord, some of you say King of Kings. I hope you're addressing him as that because how we address him will change our perspective. How we address Jesus will change our perspective in the middle of a storm. Because when we see Jesus for who he truly is, man, that storm is going to look kind of small. But sometimes we want to tell God how big our storm is and telling the storm how big our God is, right? That's what we want to do. But how are you addressing him? The disciples aren't there yet. They're not there at the point to say, hey, Lord, Lord, Lord. They're still, hey, teacher, master, save us. Here's a question we need to ask ourselves. If we don't spend time with Jesus in the calm of life, how can we trust him in the storm of life? How we prepare for the storm here, how are we preparing for the storm before the storm hits? How are we? Jesus is aware of it. Jesus is with you in the storm. And here's my last point. Jesus is greater than your storm. Greater than your storm. Do you believe it? So we say yes. Greater. Like I told you, I want us to like put ourselves like in the middle of this storm. I want to like bring it to life a little bit, can I? I've tried to do it with a backdrop, but I want you to kind of like have this sense of belonging that you're in the middle of a storm this morning, so the booth is going to help me out a little bit. So you can play this sound. I just got through telling you, Jesus is aware of this. Jesus is with you in this storm. He's in your boat. And Jesus is greater than this storm. But we hear the storm. We see the waves. Like, you don't know how big my storm is, Hux. You don't know what I've been going through. You don't know how long it's been. It's been months. It's been weeks. You have no clue what my son, my daughter has done. You have no clue what I've been going through in my marriage. Like, you have no clue what this unexpected news that I got. Like, do you not understand? Do you not hear the storm? And I love how Jesus, in the middle of this storm, he's sleeping. He gets up and he says this, peace, be still. 
And everything was calm. In that moment, calms it. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. It's with just one word, Jesus. You can raise the dead to life, Jesus. You can heal, Jesus. You can heal my marriage, Jesus. You can fix this situation, Jesus. I know you're greater than this storm. Do you believe it? He even tells us in Jeremiah chapter 32, nothing is too hard for me. Why do you act like it's so hard for me? There's a reason why I'm sleeping. I'm fully aware and I'm fully present with you and I'm greater than the storm. No matter how loud it might be, no matter how dark it may be, no matter how long you feel it's going, I'm right here with you. I'm greater than your storm. Greater. He's greater than Many of you could stand up and testify and let the world know what he's greater than. But sometimes we're in the middle of it. We forget who our God is. I'm here to tell you, too, this is what I know about storms, is storms are temporary. But our God is eternal. That storm was temporary. It didn't last years upon years, months upon months. That storm was temporary. Listen, storms will expose our faith because it's easy for us to fake it in the calm. And maybe the reason why we're in the middle of a storm today is Jesus wants to do something in and through us. He wants us to become more like him, and we've been faking it here. And Jesus wants to reveal something. He asks a huge question. Where is your faith? Where's your faith? One account says you have no faith. Where is your faith? Sometimes we're crying out, God, I need a bigger boat. He's like, you need a bigger boat, you need a bigger faith. Right now, are you asking for a bigger boat? Are you asking God, like, help my unbelief? Like, God, help me have faith and trust in you. Jesus asked them this question like, where is your faith? And I'm just like dumbfounded sometimes by these disciples, but maybe I would have been just like them after walking with Jesus for a little bit. They asked this question, who is this? Who is this? He literally had just got through the same exact word where it says he rebuked the wind. He had just earlier got through rebuking a demon-possessed man. Like the evil spirit came out of him. It says Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and it came out of him. The same exact word. They had heard this word before. 
And they're still asking, like, who is this? But this is what I know to be true. The more I know about Jesus, the better I know Jesus, the better I can trust Jesus. Maybe we don't know Jesus enough, but the more I dive into his word, the more, man, I am anchored in him, and I'm like, man, I can trust you. I don't care what might come against me. Jesus, I can trust you like I know you. I know you're out for my best interest. No matter what the enemy tried to do in the garden to make me think that you were holding out on me, that there was something else better for me than the plan that you had for me, Jesus, I can trust you. Many of you are wondering, you know the story. I love verse 47. In Luke chapter 8, verse 27, this is what it says. When Jesus stepped ashore. Stepped ashore. You know what that tells me? When he said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Did they make it to the other side of the lake? They stepped ashore. Just so you know, I'm not lying. When I tell you either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm, right as soon as Jesus gets off this boat, coming out of a storm, another storm hits because he's about to heal a demon-possessed man. He goes right into another storm. But what I love about verse 27 when they stepped ashore, it comforts me with the fact of we can make it to the other side. When it comes to whatever you might be dealing with right now, no matter what storm you might be dealing with, can I encourage you with this? You can make it to the other side. No matter what you may be going through in your marriage, you can make it to the other side. No matter what your son or daughter might be doing, you can make it to the other side. No matter what news you've been given, you can make it to the other side. And I'm thankful for the truth of the gospel that Jesus made a way for us to make it to the other side because we know this is not our home. We will encounter storms, but he has provided a way for us to make it to the other side, to spend eternity with him. It was because Jesus laid down his life on a cross for us that it provided a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. You know what that tells me? He's our Savior, he's our Emmanuel, and there's nothing that he won't do. Nothing. Can you be reminded this morning that Jesus is aware of your storm, he is with you in your storm, and he is greater than your storm. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for the fact that we have a God who steps into the boat no matter if the seas are calm or the seas are raging in our life.
And you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray ultimately for that person here who has been questioning you. God, I pray that they would see that, God, that they can count on you. Pray for the person who is here and is in a boat in the middle of the storm, and God, you're not in their boat. God, I pray today would be the day that they say, Jesus, I need you in my boat. Jesus, I need you in my life. I cannot do this without you. I pray for those people who, whatever storm they might be facing, they could just be still right now in this moment and know that you are God, that you are rock and our refuge and our ever-present help in times of trouble, that we can look to you and realize where our help comes from, our help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus, we love you. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate the fact that our God made a way for us to have an eternal relationship with him. And at this time, if you have a child or a grandchild back there, and you would love to get them at this time, if they have a relationship with Jesus, you want them to celebrate with you communion, you can go get them at this time. But Jesus made a way when he sacrificed his love for us. When his body was broken for us, his blood was spilled out for us, and man, we get to gather and celebrate that fact. That he's made a way that we can go to the other side and spend eternity with him. But before we celebrate, Communion, I wanted to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 through 29. It says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is what it says in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Today we're going to do communion a little bit differently than usual. We're not going to pass the elements, but I'm going to invite you as families to come up, to grab the elements, take it back to your seat, and as Caleb sings in Christ alone, would you take a second as a family to celebrate what Jesus has done for you, how he's provided a way. May you thank him for what he's done. May we examine ourselves and make sure our hearts are in the right place before we take communion. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to invite you whenever the Lord leads you to to come up, 
grab some of the elements, take it back with you, and take it right where you see. Let me pray. Jesus, we're thankful that you shed your blood on the cross for us. Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't just go through the repetition, but God, we would just pause for a second. Praise you, thank you, adore you, magnify you for going through the most gruesome death, for taking the whipping, for taking the spitting, for taking the mocking, for taking the crown of thorns, for taking the crucifixion, for taking the scourge in the side. Jesus, we're thankful to every length that you went to and went through for us to have a relationship with you. Jesus, we celebrate you and your death your burial, and your resurrection this morning. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Till he returns or calls me home. 
lost in thank you that our hope lies in you. And God, that I thank you that nothing's too big for you. Lord, I pray that we will place our help, our hope, our future, our worries in Christ alone. Lord, let this church be a difference maker in this community. That God, when it just doesn't, something doesn't seem right, that someone would turn their head and look and say they're different because they have the love of Jesus in them because Jesus is with them in the storm. And God, to whoever just cannot see their way out, remind them that you're with them in the storm and that you're greater than the storm. We love you so much, God, asking that your spirit is with us each and every day. It's your name we pray, amen. We'll see you guys next week. I always wanna remind you, if you ever need someone to pray with, that there's always pastors hanging out out front. We want to invite you to stop by uh, guest services. Everyone to pray with someone. Uh, but we hope to see you guys next week. And sorry, you won't get another hour next week. <laughs> Have a great week.